Good morning, everybody. We are going to talk again today about Simone de Beauvoir's Ethics of Ambiguity. You'll remember that at the end of my last lecture, we were talking about the serious man. The way de Beauvoir sets up this chapter of her book that we're reading, the chapter called Personal Freedom and Others, is she gives us um, sort of a cast of characters who approach their freedom in different ways. And most of these ways, Beauvoir thinks, are unethical ways of approaching your freedom, your existential freedom, which means the freedom that you have to choose who and what you will become and how to be in the world. So de Beauvoir is trying to teach us the right or ethical way to be free in the world and to make choices about who we should be and how the world should be. Okay, so here she is sort of trying to tell us how we should choose, but she's not telling us what to do. It's just about how to think about making free choices. Okay, so we've already met two characters, two of her characters who approach their freedom or think about making choices in unethical ways. The first one was the subman, right? That person was subhuman because instead of making free choices, he just refuses. He says, no, I'm gonna let the world happen to me. I'm gonna let life happen to me, whatever it is, that's how it'll be. And you can tell that that's not an especially ethical position to take because the subhuman, um, doesn't do anything to change his life or the world. He just lets it be, okay? And she says specifically, this person is dangerous because he never takes a stand for anything or actively chooses, and he can be used by other people for evil purposes, and he will never even notice or care. The second character after the subman that we ran into yesterday was the serious man. And we remember that Beauvoir is using the specific definition of the term serious. Um, when she calls someone or something serious, she is referring to the belief that values and meaning just exist objectively out there in the world without a person choosing or creating that value or meaning. And so the serious person is one who sort of um, chooses a set of values that they believe are out there in the world, and then they pretend like they no longer have to make any other choices. Like they don't have to justify why they're acting the way they are. They uh, treat this one set of values as if it is absolute and objective. So this is where we last, left off last class. Um, we were looking at sort of two examples, both the lady of fashion, who doesn't really make choices about what she wants to wear. She just says, it's the fashion, as if that's a justification for her choices. And the engineer, who also has chosen the value of efficiency as his sort of prime value, and then um, just says, it's, it's more efficient this way, and doesn't use any other kind of justification for the choices that he makes. He treats the value of efficiency as if it is objectively and absolutely valuable. Okay, so to pick up on that discussion, um, 
I want to read you a line from the bottom of page 47. Beauvoir says that the serious uh, person is like a woman who has written herself a love letter and then um, pretends to forget that she has sent, sent it to herself. Okay, the whole line, the serious man must mask the movement by which he gives them, which is his values, to himself. Like the mythomaniac who, while reading a love letter, pretends to forget that she has sent it to herself. Okay, so the idea here with the serious person is that they choose which set of values they're going to follow, but then they pretend to forget that they chose it for themselves. They pretend instead that those values are absolute and objective and not chosen by a human being. Okay, so they kind of choose values, but then they pretend that those values came from somewhere else and they treat those values as if they're absolute, not choices that they themselves are responsible for and could have made differently. So um, we talked about sort of the lady of fashion and the engineer. The, the serious person that I most relate to in today's culture might be the religious person. So the, not all religious people fall into this category, but hear me out. Um, there are some people who take their religion seriously in this way that de Beauvoir is describing. They um, choose values that they are going to follow according to their religious lines, and then they pretend that they have no choice in the matter. They pretend that those values are absolute and cannot be otherwise. So for example, right, like you might choose um, the Ten Commandments, say, as your um, code of ethical behavior. And that is a choice. Not everyone follows those or finds them valuable. It's a choice to say, yep, those are the values I want to live my life by. But then um, a person who makes that choice in a religious way, in a serious way, um, might then pretend as if they cannot do otherwise. So when, um, when a, a situation is presented to them, they don't even have to think or make a choice. They just know, oh, I don't steal. That's my value. I just don't do it. And they pretend like they don't have to choose, right? Like it's not a choice not to steal. They pretend it's just something they can't do because that's um, the absolute value that they have chosen. I'm not sure I'm being clear about this. Let me, let me give you one more example that I think you'll relate to. Um, another serious character you have probably met in your life is the professor, like me, who writes their own syllabus. Did you know this? Most professors write their own syllabus, right? I create it kind of out of nothing, right? Like, okay, I went to school for a billion years and I know a thing or two about how to write a good syllabus, but I create it out of nothing. I make it what I want it to be. It's up to me. It's my responsibility and I make choices when I write the syllabus. But then, you know what we do, we professors, when we get serious, we pretend like 
we didn't invent the syllabus. We pretend like it's a law written in stone. And I'm sorry, my hands are tied. My syllabus says I don't accept late work. So mm, I'm sorry, there's just nothing I can do. I can't accept your late work, right? Okay, this is not me talking. This is like the character of the serious professor, right? You've probably heard this before. They create their own syllabus, but then they pretend as if that syllabus is absolute and objective and written in stone, and they no longer have a choice about the matter, right? Okay, that is like the spirit of seriousness, that you make a choice, and then after you make that choice, you give up the rest of your freedom, and you pretend like you have no other choices to make. You have made one choice about, here's how my life is going to go, and then you give up the rest of your ability to choose. You give up your freedom. Um, importantly for de Beauvoir, that also means you give up taking responsibility, and you just act as if the choices you've already made are sufficient to get you through life. You never have to make a difficult choice again. Okay, so the serious person is dangerous, according to de Beauvoir, and this is not an ethical position to take for a couple of reasons. For one, the serious person can become a fanatic and a tyrant. Once they decide that the values they've chosen are absolute and objective, they might try to impose those values on other people, okay? That's why the serious person is dangerous. So you can imagine the person who has chosen certain values and then pretends that those are absolute, uh, then gets into fights with other people about what is valuable and what is right and good and what isn't. Um, and that kind of inflexibility and imposing your values on other people, de Beauvoir finds that dangerous. Okay. Um, if we're following in the text, the next character she talks about is the nihilist. Um, and we're not really going to talk about the nihilist much. We've, we've, um, oh no, we skipped Nietzsche. You haven't heard about nihilism. Meh. Okay, the two sentence version is that the nihilist, a nihilist is someone who doesn't believe that anything is meaningful or valuable. So the nihilist is a person who just hates existence and refuses to create meaning through their choices. The nihilist chooses nothingness and he's destructive. He might even be self-destructive. And that's why he's dangerous for de Beauvoir. She thinks it's dangerous to believe that the world is meaningless and it's dangerous not to bother creating a meaningful life for yourself. Okay, that's all we need to say about the nihilist. We're not going to focus on him. We've got the serious man, the subman. Let's move on to the adventurer. This is the last character I really want to focus on um, before we get to the genuinely free person. So the adventurer is someone who actually does recognize that he is free and makes choices, okay? So, so far with the subhuman and the serious person, we have seen people sort of refusing to make choices. They don't want to be free and take responsibility for their own actions. The adventurer does want to make choices. The problem is that he doesn't invest himself in those choices. He doesn't use his choices to create something meaningful. He just chooses to act for the sake of acting. 
On page 58, de Beauvoir says he throws himself into his undertakings with zest, into exploration, conquest, war, speculation, love, politics, but he does not attach himself to the end at which he aims, only to his conquest. He likes action for its own sake. Okay, so the adventurer doesn't really take responsibility for the consequences of his choices. Um, he just wants to act for the sake of acting. He's an adventurer. So he's not concerned with establishing a meaningful life. He is just like, oh, I'm free. I guess I can choose shit. Let's do it. You know, like that's not exactly a meaningful way to make choices. Um, <clears throat> and part of the reason that he's dangerous is that he doesn't think about other people. He just sort of runs over them as he's going out on his adventures. He's only thinking about the adventure. He's not thinking about establishing relationships or caring for other people. So on page 59, de Beauvoir has this line. She says that if existentialism were solipsistic, the adventurer would be its perfect hero. So let's examine that line in a little more detail. First, we're going to talk about the word solipsistic. So solipsism is the belief that the individual, mainly me, right, it's all me, that I am the only one who exists or matters, okay? Um, so Solipsism, yeah, so solipsism is kind of a, a, it's sort of like an aloneness, like I'm the one who's at the center of the universe and I'm the one who matters, okay? And um, Jean-Paul Sartre is sometimes accused of having a solipsistic kind of existentialism because Sartre's existentialism focuses primarily on the individual making choices and taking responsibility for those choices. And Sartre's existentialism doesn't really take into account other people in their freedom and their choices. You might have noticed this in the video lecture that you watched last week. Um, in that sort of quick preview of existentialism, we didn't really think much about other people. It's more about how am I going to live my life? Who and what am I going to become in the world, right? So de Beauvoir is trying to sort of counteract that trend in existentialism. She wants to move away from this idea of solipsism, the belief that I'm the only one who matters. And um, she wants instead for us to think about other people, right? But the adventurer does not do that. So she says, if it were true, that existentialists thought that the individual was all that mattered, then the adventurer would sound pretty good. Um, but the problem is that he neglects other people's needs and their freedom and their choices. He might think of other people just as tools for accomplishing his own projects and conquests and adventures. And he doesn't think about them as free beings who are making their own choices for their lives. Okay, so that's the adventurer and why he's dangerous. So finally, we get to the idea, after we move through these three characters who 
do freedom the wrong way. They approach their freedom in unethical ways, the subhuman, the serious person, and the adventurer. Finally, now we can talk about the genuinely free person. Like I said, we're skipping a couple other characters, but let's talk about the genuinely free person. Beauvoir doesn't spend a lot of time describing him directly, but um, she says enough that we can sort of see the basic characteristics of a person who faces their freedom in the right way, especially in contrast to those characters who do it in the wrong way. So here's the key to the genuinely free person. She says the key characteristic of genuine freedom, which she also calls ethical freedom, right? This is the right way to be free. The key characteristic is that they choose others' freedom. She writes on page 73, to will oneself free is also to will others free. So Beauvoir thinks, that in order for us to be free, everyone else has to be free as well. So we can't be genuinely free unless other people are also free to make their own choices and create a future that's meaningful for them, okay? So um, let's talk about the word freedom for a minute. Um, for de Beauvoir, freedom means that the future is open with all of these possibilities before us. Um, she, she wants basically the opposite of a predetermined past, right? The idea of existentialism is that there is no predetermined path or destiny that we have to follow. We get to create that for ourselves. So another way to think about that is an open future, right? And she says that our future can't really be open if we don't also have other people in the world who are also making choices, right? So like, if you think about it, if, if only your choices affect the path that your life takes, there's going to be some wavering back and forth, but um, you'll have a pretty well-controlled future, right? You'll, you'll kind of have a narrow path to walk if only your choices affect or shape or change your future. But when other people are making choices as well, when there's other stuff going on in the world, our future becomes infinitely more varied and vast because other people are free and making choices that affect us as well, right? So you can probably feel this right now because if you were in charge, the way this semester went would have been a much straighter line. But because there's other stuff happening in the world and because other people's choices affect us too, the future is so much more open and unpredictable than we could have imagined on our own. And Beauvoir thinks that's a good thing. Freedom like that, an open future, is a good thing. So we will have the most open future which means the most freedom, if we recognize and choose for others to be free as well, okay? They also have to be free to make choices. So here's the shift, right? Um, she is thinking about freedom, not just as a factual question, right? So like existentialists up until Beauvoir have thought about freedom as a 
factual question. Do we have freedom? The answer is yes. Now, de Beauvoir wants us to think about freedom as an ethical question, okay? And the question then is, do we have an obligation to choose certain things, right? Is there a right way to be free? And Beauvoir says, yes, there is this ethical way of being free. There is this right way to approach our freedom. And that means um, that that's what she calls genuine freedom, right? We are only genuinely free or ethically free if we are choosing for other people to be free as well. That is the key for her. So in terms of an ethical theory, what she's trying to teach us is that how you think about your choices, your ability to choose matters. And you can't try to hide that from yourself or reject it. And you can't think about making choices in a vacuum without thinking about the ways other people are also free to make choices. And so when it all comes down to it, the right way to make choices as an ethical and free being is to always choose with other people's freedom in mind, okay? Always make choices in a way that promotes other people also being free and making choices. So she says, basically, as long as we are acting in a way that keeps others from being completely free, we are also not completely free. We can only be genuinely free if we also choose freedom for everyone else. That's what she's saying here. That's the ethical way to be free in our world. So one example that, I, that makes sense to me in thinking about this like, okay, how is it that I am not completely free if others are not completely free? Here's what I think about. Um, so y'all probably know, before I came to Lewis, I was uh, teaching inside prisons in Texas. And um, one of the things that people told me before I started going into prisons is sort of a warning. They said, don't forget that the guards are in prison too. Um, and, you know, that's interesting for a lot of different reasons, but, um, but think about prison guards with me for a minute. Um, if, a, if a person makes it their job to keep others in prison, to keep them from exercising their freedom, that person, the prison guard, keeps himself in prison as well, right? In order to keep people from being free, we ourselves are also not completely free. We have to be in prison as well. So this is like the heart of the idea that de Beauvoir is talking about, that until all of us are free, none of us are completely free. We all have restrictions on the choices we can make and the openness of our future. And she thinks, that's ethically wrong. It is ethically wrong to close off possibilities for the future. We want to keep it open so that people can always be deciding for themselves what the future ought to look like. 
So that is the existentialist version of an ethical theory that um, because existentialism is all about being free to decide who and what we will become and what the world should be like, the way to do that ethically is to make sure that everyone is free to contribute to this sort of um, communal project of making the world and making it meaningful and making it valuable. Okay, um, I'm gonna stop blabbering for today. Um, hopefully this is giving you a good idea of what existentialist ethics looks like. At this point, I'm gonna open up for you another discussion board. So you've got the two reading note discussion boards for the two halves of this reading. And now I'm gonna open up a third discussion board, which is just gonna be Q&A about Beauvoir. So that's where I'll be weighing in. Um, if you have questions, if some of this stuff doesn't make sense, because I'm sure there's stuff that doesn't make sense. This is a tough one to sort of get your mind around. Um, <clears throat> so I'll open up that discussion board. Next week, we're going to have um, a recent article that's written about de Beauvoir's ethical theory. So we'll get another perspective on her ethical theory that'll help us to see it a little more clearly. And then at the end of next week, you'll get this last exam. So um, participate in those discussion boards, ask me questions. I will do my best to explain and explain. And um, we'll get this sorted so that we can uh, keep moving towards the end of the semester. Please be in touch if you have any questions, if you need anything, um, just send me an email. I'm always happy to hear from you. So I hope you're doing well and I'll talk to you guys again soon.